the generative AI industry is moving quite fast and uh, many, especially large language models, are coming to market as conversational AI interfaces. It's quite interesting because when we look at the development on the internet, there has always been a time where, you know, especially large players existing on the market had a vision about how an industry would evolve. And then suddenly a commercial killer application comes on the market and that surprises everyone else. When this killer commercial application comes to market, in reality, it uh, makes everyone understand that uh, the turning point has happened and that the market is moving so fast that you need to actually, you know, really move as fast as you can. So it's a sort of wake up call. And we've seen this in uh, multiple uh, times throughout the history of the Internet. You know, we've seen this when the browser came to market in the early 90s mid 90s when you know large players like microsoft were investing billions into the so-called information superhighway which uh, was sort of this vision of the internet uh, which was more like a tv online rather than the internet the way it would evolve through browsing and instead when browsing would come to the market with the with the mosaic and then after netscape things moved surprisingly fast, so fast say, that uh, a dominant player like Microsoft had to employ a very aggressive distribution strategy, which is called bundling, in order to actually make sure it could get back on track quite quickly and therefore gain market shares quite quickly. That's the interesting part. That's what's happening right now. For years, we've been looking at, uh, and, you know, there, there is another interesting comparison that I would like here to make here before we move forward, another interesting analogy. For years, we've been looking at uh, uh, chatbots on the Internet as nothing new, meaning that, you know, chatbots have existed for, for, for years now. And, uh, you know, for years also marketeers and uh, many other companies, for instance, for support uh, or even other functions have used uh, chatbots. However, the kind of chatbot as we saw it was completely, you know, mostly static based on a few if statements. And it was not uh, as interesting as the kind of conversational interface that we are right now, as the chatbots that are coming to market after the release of ChatGPT. If I can make an analogy here, it seems to me a little bit like uh, the, the years when actually Google came to market, where, you know, search had been around for a long time. And actually, there were already other 18 players before, uh, uh, 17 or 18 players before Google came to market. So Google was not the first mover. Many didn't look at search as a killer commercial application just because there was a feature within the existing portals of the time, like, for instance, uh, AOL or Prodigy. But on the other side, the interesting part is that actually search proved to be a killer commercial application. And it took off so fast that large players of the time, like KOL, were looking to strike deals with Google to actually feature Google on top of their uh, main portal page, meaning the product was so good and it was skyrocketing at the point that it gave leverage to com a, a small stop, a startup like Google at the time, we're talking about the end of the 90s, to actually being able to strike a deal with the largest player of the time, AOL. There was a turning point because this would be the kind of leverage that gave Google also the distribution that it needed to actually further scale up and also become the sort of company that we know today. So it seems to me that we're living sort of this paradigm right now where, you know, for, for years we've been looking at uh, sort of conversational interfaces in the form of chatbots and uh, 
the market has, have understood what they were, but then suddenly the chatbot starts to be really something that becomes the killer commercial application with ChatGPT. So what's going on right now in terms of market? How is it evolving? As I said initially at the beginning of this episode, of course, we know the limitations of ChatGPT. Let's call three of them. First is the fact that it doesn't connect to the internet. Second is the fact that it doesn't cite the sources and therefore is, uh, is very hard to understand where, whether the tool is making stuff up or not. And uh, third, a third element is, of course, is, uh, is more uh, about uh, really the, the, the economics of the tool, meaning that right now, of course, a tool like ChatGPT is too expensive to run at scale. And on the other side, there is also the hallucination aspect where, you know, the, 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 the tool can be actually jailbroken. So let's call it a fourth point, which is about the fact that the open-endedness of those tools like ChatGPT makes them also vulnerable to, uh, to attacks from users because uh, many users around the web are reporting how those tools like ChatGPT can be easily jailbroken and therefore made it uh, into giving you any sort of answer. So all the guardrails that have been built into ChatGPT are actually uh, easily gamed by simply uh, jailbreaking the, the, the application. So by making ChatGPT believing that uh, is not acting anymore according to the guardrails and parameters given by OpenAI. So that's quite interesting. Based on all those limitations, other players are coming to market, trying to solve those limitations and also to, let's say, uh, sort of uh, gain a market share based on those limitations. A uh, first, um, of course, challenger is, uh, is uh, Google uh, Bard. Google Bard was actually announced just yesterday. It was primarily an announcement because, again, Google uh, has been quite good in releasing press announcements when it comes to the conversational interface that would launch after ChatGPT, but nothing has come to market yet. It seems they took the time to actually think it through and also to make, as I'll explain further as we move forward with this uh, episode, how also Google made a few uh, key acquisitions here, but really BARD is going to be a conversational interface. So it's going to be the ChatGPT like version of Google. And this is going to be based on Lambda with the language model, the large language model, the main one of Google. So if I have to make a comparison here, BARD is like the ChatGPT like tool, while Lambda with the underlying model is more, is more, like, is more like the GPT for, from OpenAI. Now, uh, the way Google is going to integrate this conversational interface most probably is going to be that it's going to be launched as a, as a standalone tool and on the other side is going to be integrated in various parts of the search uh, engine of Google where it makes sense. Now, it's uh, the way uh, Google is rolling this out is through a beta testing launch where a set of beta testers have been selected for the launch of the tool and then we can assume that it's going to be rolled out from there. Of course, there is a lot of uh, huge pressure on Google to actually move fast because uh, the more uh, the more time goes by and the more it's going to be hard to really keep up with, uh, the, with the massive growth of, uh, of uh, ChatGPT. The other tool that is coming to market is another tool called Cloud AI by Anthropic. And here, this is another move by Google. Now, I'm not sure if Cloud AI is going to uh, be on the market for the coming years if Google is going to integrate everything, for instance, in its own product. But anyhow, 
For the kind of investment that Google has placed into Antrobic, which is again a startup that is looking into safety, and to give you a bit of context, the founder of Antrobic, uh, Dario Modei, actually was one of the the um, uh, the main um, you know uh, people at OpenAI, and he left OpenAI, um, I think, in 2019-20 to actually found um, Antrobic with the main concern of safety, meaning that when, you know, we can assume that uh, the, the reason why he might left is because, uh, I mean, he left when there was a transition of OpenAI from a, a non-profit to a for-profit organization with a large investment of $1 billion into the partnership by Microsoft. So we can assume that uh, this might have been the reason why he left and he founded actually Antropic. Now, Antropic created this, uh, this uh, chatbot, which is called Clodeai. You can, it's not officially released, meaning it's in beta testing. The interesting part is that you can actually play with it if you go, and I'll explain next what that is, if you go within Po. Po, po is an app which was launched by uh, Quora, and uh, I'll explain it further, but anyhow, for now, let me tell just that uh, Claude AI is uh, very similar to ChatGPT, but on the other side, there's a few uh, guardrails additional uh, to, to uh, what ChatGPT does. So, for instance, if ChatGPT is going to always try to give you an answer, even when it's, uh, it's not sure, therefore it's going to make stuff up, Claude AI might actually tell you that it's not able to provide that answer without additional context. Therefore, it's, uh, it's almost like you have a little bit more breaks into uh, Claude AI to make it uh, safer compared to, to ChatGPT. Of course, as you can imagine, that's uh, the kind of trade-off which is very hard to strike right now for uh, large language models for AI conversational interface. In the moment in which you actually make them uh, safer, you also might make them less interesting because uh, they will get, they will become less conversational. And it's very hard, I believe, to probably understand when uh, you know what's the trade-off. Meaning, when you're actually making them safer. What kind of functionalities functionalities actually are you losing, and are you making them, you know, from general purpose to narrow? Because if you if you have a conversational interface, an AI conversational interface, which is interesting just because it can handle any kind of conversation, and then you actually limit its uh, its uh, its ability to answer dynamically, then. Uh, of course, you make it also a less interesting product on the market. And therefore, as you can imagine, if you're ChatGPT, you have an advantage. Instead, it's critical to make a tool, for instance, like Claude AI, safe while also keeping the open-endedness of this tool itself. So making sure that, for instance, you can land on Claude AI to talk about practical stuff, and then you might end up also talking about philosophical stuff, meaning the conversational interface to actually be interesting he should be able to handle a very wide and open conversation. So that's the risk right now for Claude AI. But I tested it and uh, I'll explain where. And uh, it looks good, uh, actually. And I think it's a uh, quite good compiler to ChatGPT. So definitely the stake that Google got into Anthropic is a good way to actually diversify its bets into, into AI right now. Another tool which has come to market uh, more from a UX standpoint is Po. Po is, a, is an application which is available right now on iPhone, on uh, iOS, which, is, uh, which was launched by Quora. Now, Po is quite interesting because it's nothing new, meaning there is nothing that Quora has done to actually improve it. Initially, I thought that Quora had, uh, you know, sort of fine-tuned those uh, chatbots uh, based on the content on Quora. 
it may be that will do that they might do it in the future who knows for for now po is a, is a just has just been launched as an independent product compared to quora so it's an in, independent product within quora which means they're testing things out and most probably if things work out and they can figure out a way to actually bring traffic back to quora it might be that they will also fine tune it on top of the content on quora also because it's quite tricky there because imagine that if you're quora and you're going to fine-tune Po on top of a Quora content, you also need to figure out probably a sort of licensing model with, uh, with others on Quora in order to actually use that content for actually curating Po. Unless the traffic that goes back to Quora is so, um, you know, is so uh, good in terms of distribution that then others on Quora are getting also a lot of visibility. So uh, in, again, before Quora probably is able to fine-tune the content of this AI assistant with the, with the content on Quora, then most probably they're gonna need to figure out a model, a licensing model for others, or at least make sure that the traffic that can get back on Quora can be a substantial so that others get distribution from the from the the fact that uh, their content has been used to train the chatbot. So for now, Po um, is uh, just a chatbot who is using two models, two underlying models. On the one side, there is an assistant. Uh, with uh, actually using the OpenAI, uh, the OpenAI uh, underlying language model, so the GPT family, and uh, this is uh, this is called uh, Sage. So on the one side you you have Sage, which is uh, uh, an, uh, a chatbot, a conversational interface, which definitely is just OpenAI on steroids. So it's simply the ChatGPT on an iPhone, and you can see it because it's able to answer any kind of question, open-ended question, and uh, it can handle a huge amount of conversation quite easily but also it might also have the same drawbacks that you have on um, on um, uh, if you go on ChatGPT. so here the innovation that Quora is bringing is the UX meaning as Adam DeAngelo the founder and CEO of, uh, of Quora has explained what they're trying to do for now is actually to bring uh, those tools at scale by using UX so they said you know since those large tech companies like OpenAI may be quite good from the technological standpoint they actually miss in terms of uh, innovation in terms of UX so that's what we're trying to do right here with the, with this tool then on the other side you can jump on the other assistant which is called Claude and Claude is using Anthropic so he's using the Anthropic uh, model underneath it and it's quite interesting because you can see real time you can uh, prompt and ask the, the same questions on top of uh, uh, Sage and on top of Anthropic so you can see the differences between the one and the other as I explained already uh, um, Claude is a, a little bit more uh, as a little bit more breaks meaning you notice that uh, on some questions it might ask you a little bit more context when you ask it some data it might actually not provide it or actually tell you that it doesn't have that data where instead OpenAI might end up making that up and so you also can understand appreciate the trade-off between an interface that uh, has not been necessarily thought primarily for safety with an, a conversational interface where its primary purpose is to enable you to actually get an answer and a conversation going on but also a safety so that's quite interesting you can go and check po again here the advantage of quora I think they're, they're trying to do a couple of things. One, yes, they're trying to in innovate through UX. So try to bring those tools to the masses by working on the UX of those tools. The second aspect is that actually I think Quora is experimenting with it to understand the implications that those tools might have, of course, on Quora. As you can imagine, Quora is a 
Q&A website. So uh, tools like ChatGPT is gonna will affect those two those websites as uh, first to be disrupted. So all websites like Quora, like Stack Overflow, so all those sites who actually offer very direct answers to users, long-tail ones are the ones that are actually in danger, and therefore they need to be the first to actually understand how to employ this kind of technology. So in the future, we might assume that um, Quora might integrate this tool into, uh, into its own uh, ecosystem and figure out a model where it can fine-tune, for instance, the content on, uh, on, uh, on top of Quora and also integrate to nose some of the others, top of others within Quora so that also the conversational interface becomes able to actually cite those others and also knows provide answers in the tone and actually as if it uh, was given by some of the top holders on Quora. So if they figure out a model, uh, a, a monetization model also for those others, uh, they can actually create an interesting ecosystem. We'll see. The other tool uh, is, uh, is Meta Blenderbot. And also here, it was quite interesting to hear Mark Zuckerberg announcing in the last financial releases that uh, uh, Meta is going to actually uh, deprioritize the metaverse in the short term. So, you know, Mark Zuckerberg said that the metaverse is going to be still the long term focus for the company. And remember that uh, Facebook uh, synced, uh, Meta synced uh, over $30 billion in 2022 for actually engaging into this uh, metaverse adventure through the vision of Zuckerberg. But on the other side, he said, you know, we're going to focus on AI right now because we have a team already in place and we have an outstanding team. And let's remember that Meta also has an AI supercomputer available, which I think was built in 2022. And therefore, Meta is going to play uh, this war as well, where it's going to try most probably to enter the conversational uh, space with uh, with the dedicated tool. And this tool might be Blenderbot, which right now, again, is, uh, is uh, in beta release, um, is in limited release, and um, we'll see. Another interesting one is actually Niva. And uh, Niva was uh, launched, I think, by a former uh, Google. Um, engineer. So Niva knows uh, all the limitations that uh, the Google ecosystem know, uh, has. And Niva is a sort of, um, uh, you know, search engine is primarily a search engine focused on privacy, which main value proposition is, you know, we are going to integrate uh, AI also into our search experience, but we're going to make it uh, private and we're not going to monetize with advertising. So, you know, this is sort of uh, the value proposition that uh, they are coming to the market where they're saying you're going to pay a subscription fee, but you're going to be sure that uh, the, there is no advertise, advertising uh, business model on top of this uh, search engine. For instance, they also highlighted the difference the difference between Neva and uh, DuckDuckGo, where DuckDuckGo is a privacy-based search engine that on the other side monetizes through uh, affiliate links, where instead Neva is going to have primarily a subscription-based business model. So these, those are the main players right now. It's uh, quite interesting. I'm going to leave them as a list in the, in the show notes. So go and test them out. And again, if you want to have a feeling of the difference between uh, OpenAI, so uh, between ChatGPT and Anthropic, you can go on the Po app from Quora to actually get a feeling on the difference and trade-off between a tool who can handle a lot of amount, uh, a huge amount of conversation in an open-ended way and another conversational interface that can do the same but with more guardrails. Mm -hmm.